it's uh, rather flashy. So if I turn it on, you should see it. This is a wife feedback monitor. You can actually say, honey, you are shouting. <laughs> so it's rather cool, isn't it? I think it's rather cool. I'm told don't wash it. <laughs> After I'll get a bit flashy. I'll turn off because I need to distract you, but I'll refer this to you. Uh... Okay, on the, on the count of three, let's see if you can get at the red zone and say, Jesus is Lord. One, two, three. That's good. I like. <laughs> Isn't that what I like? Yeah. So, but I'll turn myself off. There you go. I'm off now. It's great to have you in church this morning, and just a great sense of God's presence, a real rich sense of God's presence this morning. And uh, I just think our church is for some wonderful times. A real platforms being laid. And a good flow of the gifts of the Spirit, just fantastic. And just to see the team grooving together in so many ways, you know, it's a, an amazing thing to see uh, just all the little gaps beginning to close. And this church is a real pleasure to pastor at this stage. And that's uh, something I've not always been able to say. So God bless you. It's a privilege to have my wife in church today. Love you, honey. And uh, so that's good too. Uh, we did take two days off this week, uh, Thursday and Friday, we nipped down to the Stirling Ranges. I've been trying to find the Queen of Sheba for about eight years, and this is my third attempt to get to the Queen of Sheba, and on this time, it's, it's an orchid. It's one of the rarest orchids in the world, and uh, we found the Queen of Sheba, but it only comes out for a couple of weeks until it's pollinated. So literally, it could come up, flower, get pollinated, and then it closes and that's gone. It's dead forever. Or it can come up. But only ever shows, G'day, Clinton Joyce, good to have you in church. And actually, I also want to acknowledge Pastor Robert and his wonderful wife and family. Stand up. Let's uh, honor these pastors. They're with them. And the cutest baby you'll ever see. Turn around, show them the baby. Oh, isn't that it? So lovely. So it's great to have them visiting with us this morning. Um, so um, it, it was closed. So when we went to see, there wasn't enough sun. It rains down there. Probably rained up here as well, so it was all closed. But we went back, and I actually have a shot of the Queen of Sheba. I got it. No, I lost it. Now, isn't that amazing? I want to tell you something. My God made that. <laughs> I mean, really clever. Isn't that amazing? The colors and stuff. And you know, it's growing on the side of the road, in gravel, in the ditch. And you know, you could be just going through that area of the Garden, Garden Sterling Ranges at 120, 140 kilometers an hour, dodging kangaroos, and you wouldn't know that you've just passed a jewel. Isn't that amazing? Anyway. That's just for free. It is uh, a beautiful, beautiful thing. So uh, we have been uh, teaching on the book of Corinthians and trying to walk through and trying to keep up our pace through the book because I can get very deep. And so now we've come to 1 Corinthians chapter 11. 
And uh, this is perhaps one of the most difficult passages in the whole Bible to preach on. I've picked a tough one today. Now, if you've come to church today and you think I'm having a go at you because I'll touch on some certain issues, you just need to know. It was last week I did chapter. So this week I have to do chapter. So it's not a setup. It's in the Bible. Just say now, repeat after me. It's in the Bible. Very good. And I'm going to ask Gillian Busby, one of the great ladies in the house, to come and read the scriptures for us. You don't have your glasses? I've got big letters. Give her a hand. Anyone lives with Kerry needs a hand. <laughs> I do know the feeling. You do have them. Okay. Fantastic. So it's 1 Corinthians 11, and it's uh, verse 1 to 16. And I am reading from the New Living Translation. Do you know how to drive one of these things? Did you? Well, I'm sorry. I get into trouble every time I do this. But 16. What? Oh, sorry. Yes, microphone. That one should be a macrophone, really. This is a microphone. 1 Corinthians 11. And you should imitate me just as I imitate Christ. I am so glad that you always keep me in your thoughts and that you are always following the teachings I pass on to you. But there is one thing that I, that I want you to know. The head of every man is Christ, and the head of every woman is man, and the head of Christ is God. A man dishonors his head. If he covers his head while praying and prophesying, the woman dishonors her head. If she prays or prophesies without the covering on her head, for this is the same as shaving her head. Yes, if she refuses to wear a head covering, she should cut off her all her hair. And since it is shameful for a woman to have all her hair cut off of her head, her head shaved, she should wear a covering. A man should not wear anything on his head when worshipping, for man is made in God's image and reflects God's glory. And woman, and woman reflects man's glory. For the first man didn't come from woman, but the first man came from man. And the man was not made for woman, but the man was made for man. For this reason, and because of the angels are watching, a woman should wear a covering on her head and show that she is under authority. But among the Lord's people, women are not independent of men, and men are not independent of women. For although the first woman came from man, every other man was born from a woman and everything comes from God. Judge for yourselves. Is it right for a woman to pray to God in public without covering her head? Isn't it obvious that, all disgra- that, that it's disgraceful for a man to have long hair? And isn't long hair a woman's pride and joy? For it has been given to her as a covering. But if anyone wants to argue about this, I simply say that we have no other custom than this and neither do God's other churches. Okay, thanks, oh. Julian. This will be interesting. <laughs> yeah. So everybody say, help him, Jesus. <laughs> who, who reckons there's a few landmines in this passage? Just a few. And so we're going to try and get through that in some like a relatively short space of time. Uh, so I've got hats and hair. 
So it's going to be fun. Now, one of the key texts here to wrestle with, to fully understand the passage that we're dealing with, is verse 10, which is actually arguably probably with uh, 1 Corinthians 15 where it talks about the baptism of the dead, one of the most difficult scriptures in the Bible to fully understand. Verse 10 says we are to do certain things in church in a certain way because of angels. We meant to change our behavior, be cautious of our conduct because of angels. What does that mean? Well, I'm going to try and unpack that for you this morning. It would seem that as you go from Genesis to Revelations that uh, angels, uh, those that are still aligned with God, because we know that one third of the angels are now aligned with Satan when there was the great war in heaven, one third of those angels are now contraband, they're chained in darkness, and they are now demon forces. They desperately desire a physical body in which to exercise some sort of contact with the material world. That's demonology. We're not going there today. But the other two-thirds primarily are creatures that have been designed to serve and worship God. So angels are incredibly sensitive to worship. And uh, if we had time to lay down some further principles, uh, we would actually uh, show you from Genesis Revelations that when there is worship, it attracts the presence of God. This morning, we experienced that in a small way this morning. Today, I don't know what happened, but there was just a sense where we just drifted out of the temporal world where we are now, and we just started to touch heaven. And as we began to worship God, guess what happened? The prophetic began to flow. The supernatural began to flow. And what would have happened if we were alert to it is that as we were worshipping, we would have sensed angels coming in to actually worship with us. Uh, angels roam the earth. We know that Satan roams the earth to and fro. Uh, actually to try and find out the bad things people have done, to report them before the throne of God and to criticize and condemn us. Thank God we've got a redeemer who says, justified, redeemed, saved, forgiven. That's you and me, going to the blood. Fantastic. So angels are sensitive to presence. And so Paul is saying when you come to church, it's important that you understand angels or worship or presence can be enhanced or can be harmed by our behavior, by what we do. And so Paul t- tries to talk about some specific things in this passage. So it's hats, hairs, and veils. All the ladies wearing long hair, wave your hands. All the ones wearing short hair, wave your hands. All the men wearing shirts, um, shirts. That's a good idea. <laughs> now, Pastor Robert is dressed like a real pastor. He has a suit and a tie on. He looks very flash. I look dressed like a bogan. I mean, you see me coming down the street in my T-shirt. What does it say to you? (laughs) Wonderful. 
I'm weird. I'm strange. Do I need to get my eyes tested? You know. <laughs> Thanks, guys. What does it say? It says something. And you're all left to make some sort of a guess as to what the book's like. We're told not to judge a book by its cover. But guess what do we do? We judge a book by its cover. Now, this is the deal. If you, they've done studies. If you get onto a bus or a train and there's a vacant seat, you will choose where you sit based upon the dress of the person in the chair. Now, the truth is, he could be a multi-millionaire. He's just actually just been out helping his daughter mow the garden so he's all dirty and all the rest. He could be a multi-millionaire. But you will choose where you sit based on what people look like. It's true. And so Paul is saying when you come to church, the way that we present ourselves is important. Now, the difficulty we have in this modern world today is that we're so independent. We're so individual. I can't say the word. Individualistic. That it really is hard to tell the difference. But this is the deal. If you went back into uh, Corinth in those days, or if you went to India today, you would not see an Indian woman attend church and pray with her head uncovered. It would be considered to be an apparent sign of disrespect. She just wouldn't do that. We had a lady visit our church from an Indian background just last week, and as we're praying, she picks up her veil and puts it over her head. Because in that culture, that shows that you're in submission. It shows that you're in the proper place. So is it possible in the Western world that we can dress in a way that shows that we're not healthy, that we're not in submission, that we have a problem? It used to be easier. You know, if you, if you saw a guy walking through the door and he's got tats right up here and skulls all the way up here and he's got earrings all over here and all this stuff. In the, you know, if you went back 100 years ago, he was a bad man. True? Okay, now he could have, he could actually be the pastor. You know, it's getting harder, isn't it? Much harder. But what, what Jesus, what Paul's trying to say here is, our, the way that we present ourselves is important to angels. Because angels are very sensitive, incredibly sensitive to the issue of submission and authority. Australians couldn't care less usually about submission. And authority. But angels are allergic to disrespect. They're allergic to dishonor. They are allergic to the whole idea of being out of order. Why? Can anybody think why? Because one day there was an angel who was the chief cherub of heaven, the choir master of heaven. And he suddenly, instead of saying, I will keep my position and I will continue to worship God. I will continue to make God the priority. He is the one true God. He started saying, no, I want to change positions and I will rise and I will be out of submission and I want the top job. And out of that rebellion has flowed all the evil in the world. Every person that's died of cancer Every abortion, every war, every crime, every tear that's ever flowed has flowed out of someone who did not understand that worship is meant to be maintained but can be lost through a lack of submission. Do you hear what I'm saying? 
that when we worship God, when our eyes are focused on Him alone, there is a dynamic there where we are taking the lesser position and we're making God higher. Rebellion's about the other way around. So they are incredibly sensitive to this whole issue. So back in those days, it was very important. So what he's saying is that when we come into the work of the life of the church, or actually in your workplace or in your school grounds, just not church, because church is just four walls. But when people look at you, and when people look at me, they are making a judgment about your God. Rightly or wrongly. So what he's saying is that we should adopt customs and practice that recognizes proper of authority. Now, how do you make that contemporary today? I would say it's a little bit like refusing to wear your wedding ring as a as a sign of I'm not I'm not in uh, submission, I'm not married, I'm not in covenant. See, there's nothing wrong. See, Maddie, stand up. Can you stand up, Matt? Is that's a that is a hoodie you're wearing? Can you put your hood on? Okay. Is there anything inherently evil with wearing a hoodie to church? There isn't anything inherently an evil walking to church. But if the hoodie is a representation of this stance, do you get it? I'm wearing my hoodie today. I'm wearing my tats today. I'm wearing my baseball cap today. I'm wearing my T-shirt today. God's not upset with hair. He's not upset with veils. What he's upset is with the heart in the middle that says, I am dressing in a certain way to say that I'm a rebel, that I don't belong, that this is not my deal. And he says, don't do that. We ought to be image bearers of Jesus. So when that we are, um, when we're looked upon, I hope that in some ways my dress, my attire, my behaviour reflects something of the nature of Jesus. When uh, God created Adam and Eve, He were created Adam and Eve in His own image. In His own image, He made them. And then, in Genesis chapter four, after the sin. And the failure, we find that Adam has a Adam and Eve have another child, which are created in Adam's image. See, the image got scarred. The image got destroyed. Adam and Eve were perfectly created in the image of God. Out of free will, they chose to disobey God and now became distorted image bearers. Part of what God's trying to do is to restore human beings to the place where we actually reflect Jesus, that we reflect His glory. You want your butcher, your baker, your candlestick maker to be Christian because he'll give you the right card. He won't cheat on you. He'll be on time because that's the nature of God. So angels care about right images. When we come to church or when we go home from church, what image are we presenting? For example, it gets harder. But if you were to meet a woman with very short hair, shaved crew cut hair, unless she's actually recovering from something like chemotherapy, but let's say it's a chosen fashion position, it's probably, I'm making a guess here, but it's probably reflective of a heart not submissive to God. I could be wrong, but it's my judgment. 
A lot of people would think that. That a woman with incredibly short hair like that, maybe very, maybe embracing, say, a lesbian lifestyle or a lifestyle of rebellion. We don't know that for certain. Only God knows the hearts of every. But people make a judgment based on the way we look on the outside. And so this is more and more difficult as we get into the place where culture is becoming so universal and now you've got subcultures within subcultures. But angels care about whether we bring an image to God. So it does matter if you come to church and you have this stance towards God. It matters. If you adopt this stance towards God and worship, it changes everything. And it's amazing then how things begin to actually change in your life. And you get to choose whether your stance is like this or your stance is open towards God. And your dress can reflect that. Not necessarily, but it can. So angels care about right images. They also care about proper relationships. Relationships in view here are between the husband and the wife. Theologically, it means a big difference to say that the man is the head of every woman because Christ is the head of every man. Or, as some translations bring out, Christ is the head of the husband and the husband is the head of the wife. Now, that actually makes more sense to me. And it's exactly the same word in the Greek. Yes, my, I, with my wife's permission, I am her head. <laughs> and all the married men said... <laughs> <coughs> So, so it's important to angels that you're in proper relationship, husbands and wives. It's important. You know, one of my observations often been is that often uh, some women that struggle in church life, uh, particularly when they want to get involved in the prophetic and flowing and the gifts and these sorts of things, you often find that not in submission to their husband. I've seen that over and over and over again. So, you know, 1 Peter 3 verse 7 says, Husbands, in the same way, show consideration for your wives in your life together, praying, paying honor to the woman as the weaker vessel, since they too also are heirs of the gracious gift of life, so that nothing may hinder your prayers. Now, isn't that unkind, guys? That's not fair, I reckon. God says he will not listen to my prayers if I don't honor my wife. That's not fair. I'm a good guy. Got you to answer my prayer, shouldn't he? But he says it's so important that those relationships are in order, that we actually do respect one another, love one another, and recognize the proper relationships there. Because if that's out of kilter, it will affect worship. It will affect the power of God. Who wants to see God come back to the church of Jesus Christ in these last days? with incredible, dynamic, supernatural power, with sins broken open, people are set free, delivered, bodies, people walking out of wheelchairs. Who wants to see those days? Well, one of the things that affects it are the relationships in a church. If they're not in proper relationship, you're going to struggle. We also need to be in proper relationship to each other. Be subject one to another out of reverence for Christ. Ephesians chapter 5, verse 21. So guess what? If there's, if there's issues between me and, say, other staff and whatever, God is sensitive to that. The angels are sensitive. We can stand up all we want and sing, you know, you know, I surrender all, God, I love you and all the rest. But if I've got 
angst or issues with my brother, the angels are aware of that and they will not come. They will stay away because they can see what's going on. And also there needs to be proper relationship and submission between leaders and members. Hebrews 13 verse 17, Obey your leaders and submit to them, for they're keeping watch over your souls and will give account. Let them do this with joy and not with sighing, for that would be harmful for you. Sometimes in church life, in order for us to break through in worship, you need some people to come under submission. And submission is such a negative word to Aussies. But it's very easy if you get this. It's coming under the mission. Sub, submarine, goes under the marine, goes under the water. Mission, submission, you come under the mission. And the mission is to build the church of Jesus Christ. It's not to build my ministry. It's not to have the best coffee in the world. It's not all about me. It's to build the church of Jesus Christ. And if it's not here, go find a church where you can come under the mission. Look, I know this is not nice, feel-good stuff, but this is actually how we get to incredible times of God when everybody comes together. And the Songs of Solomon talks about how when all the musicians were in one accord, that then the glory of God came to the house. Who would like the glory of God to come to the house? I want the glory of God to come to the house. And that comes about when we are all aligned together, not in some sort of dictatorship. Those who've known me, that's not my style. I'm not a dictator. But the truth is still the same, that we need to come under one mission together, and then God can do his stuff. But so often, particularly again with bands and whatever, you find that people can't come under submission. And submission is only tested when you're asked to do something that you don't want to do. See, if I'm asking you to do what you want to do, that's easy to say yes to, isn't it? That's easy. Submission is actually doing that which you don't want. Now, we're not talking about sin, are we, or doing something wrong. So angels care about right image, right image bearers, and also care about right relationships. Angels are sensitive to these things. So I'm just winding all this up, trying to take a lot of Scripture very carefully. This, Paul is trying to say that when you come into the church, try and adopt the right posture towards the presence of God. Posture talks about physical sitting. And there's actually some power in just understanding that there's a difference between having this posture in church and having that posture. Yeah, there's a, there's a difference in the posture of I'm closed and I'm waiting for God to hit me over the head to actually says, God, I'm going to chase you. I'm after you. My soul seeks after you. The Songs of Solomon talks about the time when King Solomon comes and knocks on the door of his beloved. The beloved's gone to bed. She's had a bath. She's sleepy, so she can't be bothered to get up. He's the king of Israel. If he wanted to, he could come, kick in that door, bring in his soldiers, and he could do anything he wants, including kill her. He is the king. But he leaves her to see whether she will seek him. If, if God's always got to do the chasing after us, we're missing something of the fact he longs for us. and He wants to know whether our love is real and our love is sincere and that we will chase him. So adopting the right posture is important. But it's also 
the arrangement of your attitude. It's the frame of mind affecting your thought, behavior, and attitude. And your attitude comes out in your dress. Your attitude comes out in your lifestyle. But if we will come to God with the right attitude, then heaven can come to earth in incredible ways. You know, you worship where you do not know, he tells the Samaritan woman. But the hour is coming, now here's when the true worshippers will worship the Father in spirit and in truth. And the Father seeks those who will worship him. God is spirit. And those who worship him must worship him in spirit and in truth. And so we are God's temple. Do you not know, 1 Corinthians 3.16, that you are God's temple? Don't you know that? But most times when we've read that in the past, we've heard it as Mike Keating is the temple of the Holy Spirit, that, Mike li- that the Holy Spirit lives in Mike. I was about to say Mike lives in the Holy Spirit, which is totally wrong, totally wrong. But the Holy Spirit is not. That's actually not what the text says. Now, it's true the Holy Spirit lives in Mike, It says you, plural, the Corinthians, are the temple of God. The temple of God aren't these four walls. The temple of God in Kelmscott right now, not not trying to be exclusive, is this gathered group of people here together. And together we make up the living bricks for which the presence of God to come. And those bricks need to be aligned and cemented together in unity. And when that happens, God will fill the house with his power and with his glory. Hebrews 13 verse 18 says this. You, again plural, have not come to something that can be touched, a blazing fire, darkness and gloom and tempest. That's it. Where's God? I, we, I can't touch him. Can't see him. Can't smell him. That's not us. That's the Old Testament. All the sound of a trumpet. Jono's not here. So a voice whose words were made uh, and the voice whose words made the hearers beg not to have another word spoken to them. For they could not endure the order that was given. Even if an animal touches the mountain, it shall be stoned to death. To death, excuse me. Indeed, so terrifying was the sight that Moses said, I tremble with fear. But you and me and all of us here today, we have come to Mount Zion to the city of the living God, to the heavenly Jerusalem. Guys, if you didn't realize it this morning, we were at a different place. We were in heavenly Jerusalem. To in, Listen to this. Listen to innumerable angels in festival celebration gathering to God and to the assembly of the firstborn. We are God's gathering of his people this morning who are enrolled in heaven. Are your names written in the Lamb's book? Are you enrolled in heaven? That's what we've gathered to, to the God of all, the judge of all, to the spirits of righteous made perfect and to Jesus, the mediator of the new agreement, the sprinkled blood that speaks of a better word than Abel. Guys, we didn't come to church today. We came to a spiritual place and we changed dimensions where we come to a place where we suddenly stop being just you know, 150 adults in this room and we join the tens of thousands of angels who are punching the air and doing high fives. We're joining with Moses and David and Rebecca and all the saints of old who are singing the high praises of God with us. 
We've come to Jesus and He's in the midst of the congregation worshipping with us. And in that environment, God's power shows up. His glory shows up. Because angels are aware of right image, right relationships, and when they are aligned, it makes it so much easier. We are joined. We have an invitation to party with angels. Hallelujah. <laughs> Isn't that exciting? Um, I was going to... Can we throw that video this morning? Uh, this is a Michael W. Smith video. But to me, it models really nicely where the congregation moves from a praise and worship concert to worship. See if you can pick the moment. I know it's video, but see if you can pick the moment. It's no longer a service. It's now worship.
Thanks, uh, Charity. And uh, for those that have a taste of God, in that, you would have felt it just drop. You would have felt the click. You would have felt the change. The gear shifted. Who knows what I'm talking about? Now, if you didn't feel that, um, I'm just going to encourage you, get saved and get filled with the Holy Spirit because there was power and moment and presence there. And if that just washed over you and you think, oh, that just went a bit quiet, you missed something. That auditorium was a concert, but they were visited by angels. And uh, things happened then, changed. Fantastic. So, Father, we do pray that you'd help us align our attitudes, that we would adopt an open posture towards worship. Well, it's simply not just attending a building and going through an hour and a half of a few Pentecostal gymnastics, Lord, and we sing a few fast songs, Lord. It's about our hearts being aligned to your call and cause upon planet Earth. And, Lord, there's something about worship. We were created for it, Lord. It's the oxygen that we breathe. And, Lord, when we do it, Lord, Lord, it brings angels. It brings presence of the Holy Spirit. It brings power. It brings purity. It brings your kingdom to earth. And, Lord, I pray that this would be a church not of the four walls, but a a collection of lovers of you, people passionate for you, people who know how to cultivate a visitation of the Holy Spirit. Lord, I think we're on the journey. and Lord, we are so needful for your grace. Lord, for prayer that we don't mess it up. But Lord, let this be a place where you are loved, where your throne is built through the presence and the worship and the praise of your people here in Jesus' name. Lord, let us come under proper relationships, proper image bearers, Lord, that we could do this better each and every Sunday, we pray in Jesus' name. And if you don't know Jesus Christ as your personal Savior, if you're not taking that step, you could have been raised in church. You could have uh, been your first time visit here. But the most important thing for you to know today is that God loves you so much and he made a way for you to come home. One of the great stories Jesus told is the story of the prodigal son. We are all familiar with this great story where this uh, rebel kid, he demands of his father's inheritance and he goes and he wastes it all on wild parties and wild living and uh, gets to the place where he's now in the pig pen of life and he's looking at the pig food and he says, this is horrible. These are slops. The Bible says that he came to his senses. Oh, I wish there were so many people in my heart that wish would come to their senses. Because they're still in the pig pen. They're in the pig pen. They're playing with the pigs. They're eating out of the pig's trough and they think it's still okay. They think it's still cool. They think there's nothing better. But I pray that maybe this morning you could come to your senses and know that you can come home to a loving father. Not condemnation, not guilt. All that you'll get from your heavenly father, the arms wide open saying, all is forgiven. Come home. And I'll love you and I'll restore you back into the family. 
So just for a short minute, could everybody just bow their heads? So we just want to give people a moment of privacy. We're not asking you to join a church. I'm not going to invite you to come out the front, although I'd love to know who you are. So I would like to pray for you to receive the gift of eternal life. Most people in this building have done this, and they will tell you that it was revolutionary, life-transforming, that it has changed their day from dark to light. Absolutely the best thing they could do. And so if you've not made that first step to give your life to Jesus, can you just indicate that now? If God's spoken to you, and this morning is your day, I wonder, would you be brave enough just to put your hand straight up in the air? I'll see it, and then you can put your hand straight down again, and then we can pray for you. Is this your day this morning? The saints are praying, and uh, you could make the angels in heaven very happy. They could go to the next level. Just look over the congregation one more time. Over to my right, center section. Over to my left, is there someone here to say, today, Pastor Mike, I want to make this declaration. I want to live for Jesus. That's you? Raise your hand. Well, praise God. God bless you. Thank you for coming to church and putting up with a difficult topic and a strange T-shirt. And I would love to sing now a really happy song. Because it's the greatest day in history. The day you find Jesus Christ out as your saviour. So if you are visiting with us, you've been coming for a few weeks, we have a welcome lounge immediately out uh, on the uh, left-hand side as you go out through the red doors. Got free coffee and cakes or cookies that love to bless you with. And uh, if you need to have need a prayer in your life, we do have a prayer team at the end of the service as uh, other people make their way out. A group of people are down the front here We'll pray and believe a miracle for your life and we see God do incredible things on a weekly basis. Fantastic. Jess looks like she's having a baby. Look at that.